0: We're looking to to earn some money out of this podcast at some point, right, Dave? Because what is this now? The 10th? Is this the 10th episode? Mm-hmm. Is that a milestone? We're no longer... Uh,
1: we're no single digit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... We're tweens. We're tweens. So, uh, 10 episodes in, the cash is hardly rolling in off it, which,
0: I don't know, I, th- I just
1: thought that would happen
0: at some point. Yeah, so we've got together and we decided to come up with a service to breweries who are struggling to come up with beer names, the, basically... You're all trying to trying to get hot puns going. And Every single one of you is trying to get hot puns going. And look, hot puns are getting thin on the ground. Both of us, especially Dave, thin you know? in context as well. Thin in context, yeah. there are some pretty shocking they're ones. Not, out there. Well, I
1: don't know if they're getting thin, but they've been thin for a long time. Yeah,
0: and we both like a pun. I know Dave, you're a, a huge pun fan. Uh,
1: I've got a love hate relationship with puns. Right. I think they're the lowest form of humor, but they go into my brain and I giggle when I hear them sometimes. So. <laughs>
0: So yeah. what what we've done is we're going to offer a service where if you're a brewery, you're looking for a beer name, you've got a lot of hops in your beer, give us a call and we'll come up with something. We'll we'll get something. You know, I don't know what we're going to charge yet. We'll depend. We'll de- negotiate. It depends on how
1: good we think the idea is as yep.
0: well. And we'll, we've, we've put together some freebies uh, as a bit of a taste of what we can do. Yeah. So if you
1: like these, just use it freely. Just give mm. us a little shout out on the label. That's all. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then if you want more. You know where to come. Yeah. All right, have don't you your checkbook ready. Do you want to uh, kick uh, off? All
1: right. The first one I've got is uh, Brambling Rose. I, I, just, I mean, didn't get much reaction there. If you like the <laughs> MC5, that might give you more. Uh, you could okay, use so the Brambling boom. Cross Hop with a little bit of Rose Petal or something like that. Brambling I don't rose. know. Have yep. a little more context to it.
0: No, that's good. I like that. Uh, my one is the Hop Twins. So you can brew two beers. Uh, name it after the New Zealand comedy lesbian group, the Top Twins. Right. The hop. Hop twins.
1: That's a little bit more relevant as well. Yep. You've got a that's got a garnered a giggle out of Emma. So Good. that's yep. a successful one so far. Um, I've got Sarachi and Veronica. If you wanted to do maybe a series Sriracha. of like comic based yeah. ideas, maybe like uh, some of the geekier brewers might embrace that. But or you could just never do it ever again. That's fine.
0: Uh, Luke, uh, night at the Hopra. Night at the Hopra. Hopra. Night at the Hopra. I think
1: that's a. Syllable that's been underused. So, yeah. well, I, Night at the Hopper. When I
0: was coming up with these, I, I plugged a whole bunch into Untapped and found a whole lot of my lamest ones that are even taken. Uh, Night at the Hopper, free. No He's one's joking. No one's taken that yet. So, there's, a, you a, there's a free that. hit. That, yeah, that's going to come up. Yeah, um, uh, Magnum IPA. <laughs> I really like that one. You like that's that a, one? That's a good one. That's, okay. Get on okay. that one, guys. So I think have enjoyed
1: that one a little bit. You yep. could put a glorious mustache on the cover on the label of that one. I would have thought. Um.
0: Rash Hopmon Explain uh, more uh, the, the, fa- the movie Rashomon um, oh yeah, Rash Hopmon Kurosawa? Rash, okay. Rash, Rash Hopmon You Rash could use Hopmon. a Japanese hop in there Sriracha Ace maybe That's not bad Yep um,
1: Land of Hop and Glory
0: Oh yeah good good. Is that been IPA? used? Yeah I think it's Oh good. I reckon
1: at some stages I didn't r- look it up But you would think that one For an English well IPA Well if you're listening to already.
0: this Punch it in If it has menus, been used Take it Let me know if it has Do not
1: have to I don't care if it's been used or not
0: uh, any more? Uh, God gave hops and malt to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I can't
0: believe that hasn't been used yet.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, yeah that's a good, I like that too. One. Uh. Um, here's one that maybe is a little bit more left. You know what the worst thing is, Luke? Mm. I said to you earlier, and while everyone's been like scrounging around trying to get mics ready and this and that, all I've been trying to do is trying to remember the one that was awesome I thought of on the trade. I got nothing. Huh. Um, but the last one I thought of was uh, a post-hop flanny. Uh, which could be a Flanders Red, late hop additions perhaps. Yep. Yeah. A bit of
0: a change of style. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, <laughs> um, that's uh, so so. So my favourite one that I've, I've come up with is uh, a new brewery. Come out with a beer called The Sheriff as one of your first beers. That's sort of like a cool sort of sound. Sounds like a pretty tough beer. Yeah, exactly. Maybe like a porter or a stout. Yep. Then you dry hop it and call it Dry Hopped The Sheriff. Oh, yes. Dry hopped the sheriff (laughs) then hang on there's there's another layer to this producer i could hear you laughing yeah we just got a bit of giggle from the uh, outside the window then you uh come out with a gruet called the deputy dry hopped the sheriff but you didn't help the deputy Good morning Dave,
1: good morning, how are you? So we had a little bit of a uh, late start, so it's actually
0: 12.01pm, good afternoon Luke, good afternoon, mm. Indeed. good afternoon listeners, Yeah. welcome to episode 10, 10, who would have thought? I know right, we're uh, getting a hit of steam up, Yeah, a hit of steam, is, can we use the word juggernaut yet? Yeah? I guess a steam train, what, what comes first, steam train and then juggernaut? Juggernaut I think is the
1: apex right? Yeah, yeah. so
0: we'll start with steam train, mm. tugboat. Tugboat. <laughs> Tugboat. Um, how are you? Uh, I'm really good, thanks Dave. Yeah? Uh, really nice morning out there. It's a beautiful morning. We just had, we had a beer while we did our cold opening, which was the Brufist Spaceman yeah. IPA, and that was very good. Not a pun though, that no. one. Um, you, it almost sounds like Brufist could be a pun, but it's not. Spaceman IPA could be a pun, but I don't think it is.
1: Did you hear, when that came into the country, did you hear, um, Professor Pilsner tell his joke about that? No. Um, I won't tell you because the delivery won't be the same as maybe uh, we still here. need
0: to ask him onto the show so uh, maybe we can get him to retell that. I oh, can't wait.
1: All right, <laughs> um, and it's it's a good beer. I thought I, I brought it in because I f- figured it like might be getting pretty close to its uh, mm. used by. I guess that's not the right word, but best before yeah, I date think it
0: was maybe six months old. But um,
1: I think the bottle date gave it another sort of four or five months. Um,
0: It was tasting pretty good. Yeah, really citrusy. I don't don't think I'm a huge fan of the beer itself. I've had it before. Fresh, uh, and it's good, but not great. Yeah, because it really is like a big citrusy whack. I think I enjoyed it more. I
1: like like the sort of sticky quality of those Mm. sort of IPAs. um, Mm.
0: Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. Citrusy, I think a lot of those Italian beers seem to have a citrus character, uh, or a peppery citrus, which... I'm not sure if that's, you know, down to to the hops they they predominantly use. Uh I yeah, I don't know enough about it, but that's that's kind of my what I've noticed. Fair enough. Now, we What has been going? Oh. Well, you want to mention that you you remembered
2: the pun. Oh
1: yeah, in, in the cold opening. Um I said I had a cracker that I couldn't recall, uh and then just when we were transitioning there, I remembered what it was, thankfully. But I also remembered the probably wasn't that good in the mm. first place. So Do you want to tell it now? It's very specific. You have to. See, if you don't know who the person is, it doesn't make any sense. But, what if Temple Brewery uh, made their bicycle beer mm. and they made like a dry hopped version or maybe a cask version with dry hops in it and they could call it the Sir Hubert Hopperman for those Luke didn't know, Emma didn't know. Uh, nobody knows except me. Sir Hubert Hopperman was a very, very famous cyclist mm. for a street.
0: Famous so. enough to be a sir.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, canonized. And, uh, if it's a bicycle beer, just extra yeah, context. It's yeah, a that's a, that's Let's a double whimmy. that. We, uh, sh- we sh-
0: need, do need to mention that cold opening I thought of during <laughs> the week. and I can vouch for it. I have emails suggesting... Dated you know, emails. Exactly right. And then last night uh, I watched the most recent episode of Portlandia, a very, very funny show, and the exact premise of that cold opening was used in Portlandia. Where they had a, a company where people would ring up and and they would provide pun names.
1: He texted me after he watched it and he said the exact scenario was just on Portlandia. So we didn't
0: know. we didn't steal that bit. Uh, we just thought of it independently. So I'm prepared to say,
1: thinking of hop uh, thinking of hop puns has been done before. Thinking Definitely. of puns in general a lot. So mm. I don't know but if Portlandia the, are going to get in touch with us and say, listen, the
0: idea of starting a company <laughs> to sell <laughs> hop pun. I thought that was a great idea. Obviously it was, because Portlandia are great and they did it. So thanks a lot, uh, Fred and Carrie. Cool. Let's get into a bit of a catch-up. Okay, uh, well, do we want to say the beer that we're drinking now? Yeah. So we've, we've just cracked one of our current favourites, the Brooklyn Lager. Been on shelves for a while now. It's not exactly a wild or crazy beer. In cans, probably better than in bottles, yep. if it's been around
1: for a little while. Um mm-hmm. I, I've loved this beer for a long time because mm. it's, just, it's just a great lager. I mean, it's just recently I had it uh, on tap at the Tote during a gig. Mm. And at the Tote? What did I say? You said it's a to- Tote? Yep. in town, maybe. Toph in town? What yeah, it was the Tote. Yeah, the top in town. Um, and I mean, for a gig beer, normally yeah. you have to sort of like, I say settle for Hightail bottles or something like that, which mm. is still a great sort of gig beer, mm. but man... Pints of Brooklyn Lager while watching a
0: gig. Sounds like a lot of fun. That's the way to do it. Yeah, it's the kind of beer that I think any restaurant or sort of New Worldy, not New World, um, you know, American influence, which is all the the top, all the all the sort of hot Pretty trendy right now. Yeah. Yep. If if you don't have Brooklyn Lager on your your beer list, you're probably missing a trick.
1: Yeah, because it's just good to have. It'll go around with a lot of different kind of foods. Nice so label
0: as well. Aesthetically, it looks looks good. It fits current trends. Designed by a famous graphic designer, who I forget the name of. Our producer's about to chime in. Uh, Milton Glasner. Milton Glasner?
1: Milton Glasner. All right. I've got 90% faith in that particular response. She's going to look it up now, so we can just guarantee that particular one.
0: Milton, Milton Glaser. Glaser. great. All right, so a bit of a catch-up the last week I've got a couple of things I want to mention um, I had a sour wine or a wild wild yeast wine. I imagine you sent the bottle back and told them it was
1: there was a problem with it
0: no I did not it was billed as, as sour or um, orange wine or natural wine I look I might be getting some of these things wrong um, you know I think there's some blurred lines here with natural wine orange wine wild yeast wine anyway we were at a restaurant the town mouse in Carlton in Melbourne very good restaurant um their beer list didn't really take my fancy. It was, wasn't? Didn't have bad beers on it, but nothing that would really stand up to their their food, which is, um, you know, next level kind of food. The beer list was a bit, eh. But we ordered a orange wine from Italy, and she came out and said, "Oh, it's, you know, it's really funky. Are you okay with that?" And,
1: and you were you were already aware that that's what you're getting, or is it just uh, what
0: you? I kind of thought there was something there that was of interest. That okay. People but I didn't know. I didn't know enough about it okay, to, to cool. know. Um, and Emo was having fish. I was having duck. So we thought
1: that happy medium. That's, it sounds like an intuitive match. Yeah.
0: Yep. And came out and he said it's really funky. You know, I hope, yeah. hope you don't mind. And we said it's exactly what we're you know we're, we like. Something it's a little bit right small. now. Wheelhouse. Yep. Yeah. I think I might have said right now. Wheelhouse. Really? Yeah. And,
1: and I liked wheelhouse as a term.
0: It smelled exactly like a Cantineur Um or a you know a Belgian lambic of. Of that, uh, it didn't get a box as far as I'm concerned, yeah. It was like, okay, this is if this, if you had a, that kind of beer on the menu, we would probably would have ordered that. And it, did, it didn't taste too sour, it was just kind of a bit funky, it was quite dry, but yeah, really interesting. So, I think I'm There's something that sort of like piqued both of our curiosity mm. when, you, when you told me. I was sort of thinking,
1: yeah, it's worth a little bit of a exploration.
0: So, maybe, um, I think we might try and find someone that knows a bit more about this and get them on the show one week. That'd be great. The next thing that we have for catch-up... Did you read this, Dave, about eating dry yeast during the...
1: I didn't, and I'd love you to d- venture further into that, so in that discussion.
0: So, Jim Cook from Sam Adams mm-hmm. in the US, one of the largest, uh, I guess, independent, small, largest small breweries. I'll uh, we'll use the word craft here. Largest craft breweries. Uh, basically, a journalist spent a night drinking with him and uncovered his secret of how he can be a sort of beer, you know, representative face of the company and not get too drunk when he's out drinking. And his theory is that you eat dry yeast, one tablespoon per beer. Uh, he mixes it into yogurt. And that... What do you mean he mixes it into yogurt? To, to like, be able to... No,
1: I'm just thinking of, like, the logistics of that particular approach so he just carries around
0: yogurt with him or does he just demand yogurt wherever he goes I think he does it before he goes out maybe so if he's going to have like eight oh. minutes, he, he <laughs> that,
1: even, that seems more ridiculous to me I you th- can preload I, up I, on all this yeast yeah, laced yogurt yeah. I'm not
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if it I'm not sure if it was clarified in the article okay. I like the idea of preloading yogurt <laughs> and yeast before you go out that's um, it could get pretty gross that's going to
1: definitely happen during good beer week yeah that's yeah. been floated already Oh, is but, it? Yeah, um, i not original at all.
0: Sorry, Dan. Yeah. First Portlandia, <laughs> now this, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically the yeast eats away at the alcohol, reacts, and the alcohol doesn't get into your bloodstream.
1: That seems like a way too basic a theory. It's like someone who knows a little bit about the process of it, both things, going, well, this is obviously going to... a Yeast eats alcohol, so... You
0: know what I mean? Well, one uh, person on Twitter... Hugh, the wine guy, yeah. he said that that reaction would happen, but it would create acetaldehyde, which is a, an off flavour in a lot of beers. Um, it's also responsible for, if you've got a, a beer full of it, which is basically a byproduct of yeast, if you've got a beer full of it, you end up with a really bad hangover. So he said if you're producing a lot of acetaldehyde oh, in right. your stomach, then you're going to end up with a worse hangover, even though you might oh, not dear. get it's drunk. The science to this whole thing, every side of it is confusing to me. I don't understand Because also, like, the yeast
1: would have to do its thing quicker than the alcohol absorbs into your blood anyway. Mm. So there's probably a lot of factors that maybe aren't bashed out quite completely mm. here.
0: Interesting, anyway. That's right. Apparently there was a company, uh, I can't remember the name of them, in the States that were trying to bring, bring a capsule to market that was basically dry yeast under the, the bill of you won't get us drunk. But it kind of didn't go anywhere because no one wants hey, to. Hey, you
1: know it. how our um, we pretty much haven't got a steady income from the podcast yes, yet? And hey, maybe we'll sell a couple of the And uh, Like pints. you say,
0: pretty much just
1: like we've got some income. Yeah, we've <laughs> <Yeah>, got zero <laughs> income. There's a lot of expenditure happening and nothing coming in. Um, uh, maybe we should market a, like a rip-top
0: yogurt tube that's laced with dry yeast. Mm. There was, the, the this company didn't really go anywhere because the so mark- hang on a
1: second so now it's in the public domain we can't never we can never trademark that idea we? well, let's no, edit I this think, part
0: out yeah. I, I think the problem is um, yeah marketing something like that is dangerous because hey load We're of advertising you're you drink drink yeah. beer you're yeah. not drinking more beer yeah, which we definitely don't well no, no, no. more variety of beer over the course of a year rather than the course of an evening yeah you should enjoy more beer rather than just
1: consume more beer yes anyway I thought that was interesting it sure is uh, what else have we got one a little shout out. Um, we went to New Amsterdam. Oh yeah, not long ago. Must have been since the last show. Easter weekend. We were there East, oh, on the Thursday night. I think it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, and um, that place has. We were there like what from five to seven, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, and in that short, and also, the I was there a bit like by like four thirty, I think. Mm. And the downstairs bar doesn't open until five o'clock, mm. so we had like. It's not a weird, but like we had to like go from the restaurant, interrupt our drinking, go downstairs. But on like, it was that choice to do that? Mm. But just that short, little enjoyable time that's like made that place like one of my favourite
0: bars in Melbourne. Yep, it is. I think something I, I've been thinking a lot about where a place that doesn't specialize in one thing. Yep, uh, they have they had good standard tap beers, and they have three sort of rotating taps. They have an amazing cocktail list. I've been there before and had some cocktails and they were uh, just outstanding. Their food is outstanding. Their spirits are outstanding. Their wine, their service. And it's the kind of, to me, it's hard to find a place that has beer at that level that they do. um, Because the the beers they had on tap were beers that we wanted to try. Mm -hmm. And has beer included at, at that level. You know, a lot of places have beer, as I said, the town mouse didn't quite have their beer at that level where it made me want to go and drink their beer yep. It made me want to order wine. But in New
1: Amsterdam you can yep. easily take a big group a, yep. a varied group people who aren't interested in beer where like that excludes a lot of places we'd normally go mm-hmm. um, and this is exactly the perfect example to the sessionable question that we answered a few weeks ago now mm-hmm. about what is a craft beer bar And mm-hmm. my answer to that was well, I don't really think that needs to be a thing like mm-hmm. you, we don't need to just totally champion the craft beer bars because mm. you wouldn't even call this place a craft beer bar. No. It's probably a cocktail bar if mm. you had to if you had to categorize it. Mm. Um, but just every element they do is it's just really really good. Yeah,
0: the first time I went there, I didn't want to leave, and I think that is the, w- the uh, producer says that's because I'm a drunk. Um, but th- that's something that I want to see. I don't want to see the Australian beer scene become all about um, you know where you have a hundred taps and you know I kind of think there's a a, I want to see more sort of modern interesting unique experiences rather than bulk experiences Um, I still love a pub that has 40 taps but you know it's hard to well I don't love a pub that has 40 taps but you know a lot of taps but I want it's a different experience and sometimes you want to do that sort of thing and I want to be able to sort of take someone along that isn't into beer and not feel like they're having to settle for a just like when we go to a wine bar and we feel like we have to settle for a, not a great beer. You know, so it's it's great to see places like that. Um yeah, doing it right.
1: Yeah, it's exa- it's exactly what they're doing. They're mm. doing it right. And um, I, mean, I
0: think Turo, which we've discussed yeah. obviously, um when Tiff was on the show, they're they're doing the same thing. they uh spirits list is, is really good. They've got a short cocktail list which is really good. Um so you know, they're I coming, think when they're you coming s- the other. I think way.
1: when you talked to them and saw what their plan was, you knew it was gonna be Doing the right thing, hmm. and then in the f- few short weeks it's been opened. And we've been there a few times. Hmm. Yeah, it's just it's good. Hmm. It's getting it right. Uh,
0: the other thing we should mention that Gabs we had Steve on the podcast last time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're calling for volunteers at the moment for the Great Australian Beer Spectacular. So if you're going to be in Melbourne at that time, volunteer, and then you'll um, get a freebie pass for Do the next. free session. Yeah, and I think you get some tokens as well with it. i'm uh, not a hundred percent sure about that. Uh,
1: it, but do it because it's really reliant on volunteers to make it run smoothly. So yeah, and um, a free. Pass, if you're around. It? Yeah, you don't have to pay for your session. You can just do it and then do it. Do it. Do it twice and get two. I don't know if that's... does it work that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do it twice and have two sessions.
0: A few friends of ours do it every year and they um, they love it. They are going back this year and they're they're encouraging everyone else to do it. So yeah, uh, you get on board. Get on board and wear the same T-shirt as everybody else for a short period of time. <laughs> now I wanted to. Mention Phil... Oh, how nice was that? Yep, Phil and George from the... Um, Beer Diary, Beer Diary podcast. podcast. I can't remember Phil's last name right now. Cook. Phil Cook. Get George Langland. Yeah, yeah, Phil Cook, George Langland. Sorry, Phil. And they firstly, they gave us some, some very nice, kind words on their podcast. So Yeah, thanks and Christ. they're using
1: a cracking Shaun of the Dead reference as well.
0: Yep. Uh, they, they likened our podcast to the alternate group in Shaun of the Dead, that seem to be more organised. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if they saw the failing that happens at the start of each show, they might not. Think and that jury, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: when we just start like coming out with some gold and then realise that we're not recording. Or the the editing that I do, where I edit everything mm. I get wrong. Or the censorship. I can't imagine Phil would ever be censored, would he? He doesn't have a
0: producer to censor no. him. And she's not He's even making. Not even listening that, right so now. Uh, he anyway. He did. A, also did a Phil did a blog post about Monteith's in New Zealand which we uh, uh, were always a small brewery owned by a bigger brewery and that they pretty much started my interest in good beer I, I'll freely admit that their red beer was one of the first beers to make me go ah oh, okay there's something more interesting mm-hmm. than just lager uh, I haven't actually tried it for maybe Five or six years now, so I actually really keen to pick up a bottle soon and, and try it again. Yeah, what
1: you probably find is that I well, something that I found is a lot of the gateway beers that I've had, I don't really enjoy it all now. Yeah. But they served their purpose yeah. already, like they already sort of mm. piqued my curiosity in something different than just their party. done. yeah, exactly. Yep. So even though if I'm not quite getting the same experience that I did before, that, that I'm still very appreciative of those sort of beers. But
0: how does Brooklyn Lager fit into that then? Like,
1: no, well, that was I was like I pretty much was a late comer. I but was already a massive convert in before.
0: In I terms tried. of, I think Brooklyn Lager could turn people into... Oh, down ...over no a good, good beer. And no then, then you know, five or six years on the track, I think this beer still holds up. Well, when I mentioned... Oh,
1: yeah, of course. Um, when I mentioned that I had it at uh, the toff in town, uh, I handed a pint to my mate who knows good beer. He knows better beer, mm-hmm. but he's still very much a... Uh, whatever the most economically sound choice uh, is. So yep. I gave him a pint, uh, a pint of Brooklyn Lager... And when it was his sh- shout next, he said, what was that? That was so good. We're going to have that for the rest of the night. So Man,
0: yeah. good times. Anyway, so he said, Phil was saying that um, Monteith's, they brought out their American-style pale ale under their Brewers series. They shipped out freebies to some of the beer riders around New Zealand with uh, some hops, I think cascade hops and a little bundle next to it. So American pale ale, you get a little thing of hops with it. You're going to expect a bit of a it hop certainly does set some beer. expectations, yes. And his experience, as he, s- he said, was basically it was nothing. It was. It
1: smelled like an empty glass. Yeah, no, which is an interesting one—an
0: mm. empty glass that had beer in it. Yeah, um, at one point. Traces. And it, it, he was talking about the idea of brewers labeling things one style, and you get it, and it's not actually a, that style at all. The, the big one in New Zealand is Tui, uh, not Tuis, but Tui. They call it's IPA, their, isn't it? Yeah, they call yeah. it East India Pale Ale. And I remember being a, you know, a young drinker in New Zealand thinking, oh, you know, this isn't a, a regular beer. It's an East India Pale Ale. They've got a little story on the back, not knowing any better. And it turns out that beer is just a lager. Um, New Zealand draft is almost the category you'd call it in New Zealand, which is just amber lagers. And, yeah, that he was, you know, basically saying that it's almost leading people the wrong way um, and I guess convincing them that beer should taste like what the big players are selling them. And I, that that happens in Australia to some extent. Some of the IPAs from the big players have been not Possibly IPAs. not
1: quite an IPA
0: here. Well, what do you think, Dave? If you, you get a beer that's yeah, so not what it says.
1: So like, I mean, Phil's got a little knack that he now and again will write about something that you've thought about plenty of times, uh, but he'll be able to articulate it and like present some arguments that were way more compelling than when I just said sort of went. you know the thing about... Uh, forget it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I totally agree with him, which is a surprise, surprise. Mm. But um, it's when that particular label that he showed of that Monteith's, it was Monteith's American Pale Ale. Mm. Now, that is, that is the BJCP guideline style. Mm. It's, like, if you, I think personally, that if you're going to label and categorise your beer as that specific category you've got a responsibility to sort of make it as fitting in as f- not it doesn't have to f- go bang into it but it's mm. got to
0: fit into that style guideline you you expect you something from exactly. it exactly right now mm.
1: where like we just briefly discussed this before we came on here and I mentioned that I don't think that you have to be bang on style all the time mm. like if you just have a pale ale if you if you, a brewery comes out with a pale ale I think there's a lot of creative differences you could have across that spectrum yeah like um I don't need any, any examples. Everyone mm. here knows what I'm talking about. But when you specifically call it a very, like if you pedantically call it the exact BJCP guideline style, mm. that's your responsibility.
0: Yeah. And you lose, then you, you lose faith in the brewery. Mm-hmm. Then you go, well, they don't know what they're doing. Or they're basically putting a label on to market something to me or deceive. It is deception. Like, yeah. I, I think if you asked, well, you, I'd hopefully, if you asked the head brewer, what you think this beer is and he said it was definitely an American palau, you'd question his skills as a brewer right of course and not even his skills like knowledge yeah that's, that's exactly
1: what it yeah. is so and you it's not like he thought about a big like me, like moderately bitter hoppy aroma beer and it, it came out and it was a lager again hmm. that didn't happen yeah it was by it was by design yeah so um, and also uh, the other point that Phil made that is not a counterpoint but the other side of that argument is if you if you buy that beer and you love it mm. and that's what you think an American parallel is if you buy another
0: one that's made within guidelines mm. that's a different experience altogether you go and buy a Sierra Nevada parallel and you're like uh, hang on this is and in your mind the Monteith one is the right one because you love it yeah and then suddenly you're uh, the Sierra Nevada's rubbish but that is I guess the and that's a damaging thing yeah I think so
1: yeah, reasonable. Yeah. All right. You see, Phil got a lot more out of the conversation than we just bandied around <laughs> that. <Yeah.
0: laughs> now, their friends at the Seasonable podcast asked us... Oh, no, sorry. They answered our question, um, which was why isn't Cricketers Arms a craft by their definition? I think
1: we specified the IPA. Oh, yeah, yep. Because it was sorry. using very trendy Amarillo hops, hops, I believe. Oh, I just did like the quotation marks and realised that yeah. no one else can
0: see that. So, yeah. Craft, hmm. uh, in quotation marks. Beer. And um, they came to the conclusion, which I think was their conclusion that we were always going to come to, is the word craft probably doesn't matter so much. And this is summarising their debate that went for probably an hour, so go listen to theirs because they, they get into it further. But basically, I think they all came to the conclusion that it doesn't matter if it's craft or not. It's just not very good. Yes. And I... I have put a bit of a rant on my blog um, probably about a year ago now that I, ha- I hate the word craft in terms of beer because it matters if it's good or not. and It starts a conversation
1: that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, it just happens way too much. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Like, when those when I was listening at work to that podcast and then it might have been Tom that said how about we just like change the direction of the question for Mm. the boys, I was like yes finally, we're off that particular train because no one needs to we don't need to talk about what's craft anymore
0: I think, Uh, so thanks guys for ending that debate and yeah so to answer our own question, uh, it doesn't matter if it's craft or not, it's just not very good the end Bang. Um, how insightful are we? this is yeah we just this is psh- like tearing things down right now. Head of the curve. Now they asked us a question, which uh, was if they were opening a brewery, if we were opening a brewery, or no, if we're investing a brewery. So yeah, that's right. In a brewery, who would it be? In which Australian brewery? Um, I think it would
1: like specifically if we had like a large cash sum,
0: yeah, cash sum that we could give to someone on a brewery yeah. to relocate them to the states and set them up with a big thing. Yeah. We, we're we a little bit confused by the second part, which is... Yeah, well, the first thing it.
1: I said... Because you listened to it first, mm. and you sent me a little
0: email saying,
1: this is what the Session Boys have asked us. Mm. And I said straight away, wait, hey, wait, wait, what? why are we sending them to America to mm. compete in that market?
0: Yeah, as an investor, which we are now in this hypothetical scenario...
1: Yeah, I've got my heart <laughs> earned. Yeah. I don't know if I'm sending a brewery from Australia into a saturated market. <laughs> Definitely,
0: well, yeah. And also the regulations over there between states and, and whatever... I don't want to send them over there yeah. but in spirit of the question uh, we discussed this we came up with completely different answers Yeah. Uh, so do you want to what's your answer to this yeah
1: so I pretty much thought of it straight away um, the times, like whenever they bring out a new beer I want to try it mm-hmm. I know I want to I want to see them do whatever it needs to ha- they need to do to do whatever they want to do mm. so if I could just give a l- large cash injection to an existing uh, Australian brewery It'd be the last rank, guys. Hmm. Because, well, do I need to answer it? I mean, well, I, I mean, I think if they had unlimited possibilities and they weren't, they didn't have the shackles of tank space, they've just got a brewery and Alphington opening up. So, like, yep. that's another step that they're going to take to um, producing what they want when they want. Hmm. But there still, there's going to be a hell of a lot of financial constraints that they're going to experience. So, hmm. um, they'd be the ones that I would do. But I'm not so sure
0: I'd want to. Well, that'll smack be them into the. That would be interesting in the in, in the states because right now uh, it's been talked about for years about saison's becoming the next IPA, which is complete. Uh, it's one of those debates that I don't think needs to happen. <laughs> of course, but um, because this is <laughs> that in itself is a ridiculous statement. <laughs> but saison um, is pretty on trend right now. Everyone's chasing some some funky saisons, and
1: I, but that's here, right, in Australia? No, no, no. It's, is um,
0: I, I Yeah, the states. Because uh,
1: I, like I, within like the Australian. Uh, I don't want to say in our ha- habitat. That seems <laughs> to me like a natural thing that we're going to ab- ab- uh, embrace more because mm. that style is like a real conducive to our summer weather. Which, mm. whenever you think of summer, you think of drinking beers in the sun. Saison's mm. perfect. That's like the ideal style, as far as I'm concerned. So I would have thought maybe it might be more here. But if everyone's doing it,
0: yeah, it seems to be. Um, I particularly saison's and I guess wild yeast, which mm-hmm. are two things that the La guys are exploring already yeah. um, and they've had a couple of sales on the market they've had their wild on. a lot of breweries the new sort of thing seems to be happening in the states is they're investing in cool ships so open um, big open copper what are they like uh, I can't remember the word right now they're open cool ships basically they pump the, the beer into that as it's cooling down once they've boiled it and then it brings on the wild yeast you know traditional um, yeah. Belgian style and a lot of breweries now are in sort of investing in that, and that seems to be the, you know, the new buzzword. You know, oh, they've got a cool ship; they're investing in a cool ship. So, I think Last Iron with their their pinch on for the saison and the wild yeast, they would go pretty well in the uni- in the United States market. Um, and they they stand out; they they have an attractive looking beer.
1: Oh, their labels are some of the best. Um, I mean, it's essentially the same label with a different color scheme. But
0: man, does it, is it striking? Yeah, and so I think they would. I think you're right; They would go really well. Yeah. So,
1: and I and I. Just, I uh, mainly, it's selfish to me, but I just would love to see them operate without financial constraint. Hmm.
0: So my one... Yeah, a uh, bit different. I yeah. quite enjoyed... Well, yeah, enjoy my, it before, m- so yeah, my one putting my, you know, again, I'm putting a bit of money into a brewery. I want a, I want a pretty good return on my investment here. Ain't no schmuck. And... Oh, I wish you had a T-shirt just said, ain't no schmuck. So <laughs> That'd be great. So I, I have decided that Stone & Wood... Would be the brewery that I give money to, um, because they have a, a proven track record. They have a, an amazing flagship product, the Stonerwood Pacific Ale, which is standing up the test of, to the test of time, time it, and time again. One that um, almost anyone that that tries it, no matter where you're from, just is, is completely blown away by. Is anyone it. that hates
1: it? I'd be keen to hear your reasoning. To me, I a sweet. I know a few people that are really
0: think too sweet. A little bit, I guess, a bit too much. All right, sorry,
1: continue.
0: And they also, they know what they're doing, but they've, they've also been kind of locked into just brewing that to keep up with the demand yeah, for the course. last couple of years. They are running out of beer constantly. They um, can't really explore anything else. Their Garden Ale this year, which is kind of a yearly release, was, was really good, at just a 3.8% or a f- sub-4% beer. And I, I really enjoyed that, so... Um, and they're opening up a second brewery already but yeah I'd love to give those guys some money yeah when we
1: talked about this I remember when you said it I was thinking interesting and Mm. then when you started I was thinking oh hang on a second I'm an investor you're going to make a lot more money than I am probably
0: (laughs) so I've gone about this the wrong way so um, no that's a good one I I think that's good cool Um, and so obviously Sessionable Guys we want to know your your answer to this... Um, I think I think it was a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, end joke that Tom was obviously going to go with Riverside. Yes, did
1: the other guys give us anything? No, I think they're they going to they answer it once we... Um, yeah, fair enough.
0: Now, so our question to them uh, now is, if they were to open a brewery now, um, from scratch, what would they do to stand out? So, would you come out with some crazy beers, would you come out with some flagship beers with good design would you go a marketing angle or yep. something like that. I think marketing does need to, to play an important part now
1: yeah of course, uh, well I mean we've talked about it maybe on 7 out of the 10 episodes but Garage Project, yep. when they came out for Gabs there was nine, oh, what was the first one, that was it 90 that they came out with the Day of the Dead or was it the 61?
0: Ah uh, the first one so yeah the
1: sixty beers there were there was around they were an unknown from mm. New Zealand, and they ran around giving people day of the dead masks mm. people had it people knew what they were even
0: about. even before that event they were pasting up there was posters pasted up with. Garage Project Day of the Dead yep. like band posters everywhere yep. um, which is no other Australian brewery is doing that I think Thunder Road is probably the only Australian brewery that's actually done that yeah
1: so I mean that's the sort of thing that mm. uh, a marketing angle may return so mm. I mean we just mentioned earlier that we know people that are all opening breweries in the near future so what do you do to stand out
0: yeah so yeah guys we're, we're keen to hear your answer to that and I think we'd probably have some thoughts on our next episode once once you fire yeah. back something and I think that is it for our catch-up. Yeah, I think so. Pretty right? solid catch-up. Jeez, it
1: was good, wasn't it? We're, we're doing this well, aren't we? Yeah. We're now, just hitting our straps 10 episodes in. <laughs> I think <laughs> I need another beer. Let's not get ahead of ourselves.
0: Yeah. Um, now, we've got a, a main chat coming up. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that after the short break. Welcome back everyone. It's all falling to pieces, Luke. It has fallen to pieces. Uh, so we our first beer was the Brooklyn Lager. Oh sorry, our second beer, but our first beer for the purposes of this of discussion. Show, yeah. So we wanted to talk about the idea of or the um, I guess the duality of, of beer lovers now who are chasing unique beers, rare beers, um, you know, interesting Overseas beers or interesting new limited-run something beers. Something with,
1: like, an extreme... Yep. Maybe not extreme, but just, like, an interesting or unusual, yep. unique sort of characteristic.
0: And the other... The duality of also drinking something like a Brooklyn Lager, which is almost ubiquitous now in, in a lot of places, and the enjoyment you get out of both, and also, yeah, just kind of that contrast. Yeah. Because it's so definitely different enjoyment. I doubt yep. about that. And we had a beer that we were going to drink um, we bought into the studio to open up
1: okay session beer Brooklyn Lager hey rare beer what was it
0: so we were going to bring we, we did bring in the um, Owa Sakura Lambic which is a Japanese brewer who lives in Belgium who brews and blends I just brew sorry Lambic the Sakura one was a cherry blossom Lambic one of only a thousand produced Super rare, well not super rare, but rare enough to be interesting to talk about. Unfortunately, it had a nice little pink um, tissue twined a tissue to it. Tissue little bonnet yeah. that it was being presented To with. the top of the bottle, I didn't realise it was corked. Yeah, so and
1: took off the bonnet, thus revealed cork. And there's no bottle opener in this establishment as far as we could tell when we frantically tore the place apart. We like found a that.
0: lot of, so straight bottle openers, but no cork screws. Mm-hmm there are ways of improvising i don't really want to do it with yeah. one so of also
1: oven. just to like let you know what luke thinks of this beer just before we left the studio to go and grab it he said to me prepare your tick hole <laughs> to tick <laughs> off one of the best beers in the world so not one of the best beers one of the rarer well rarer yeah beers. needless to say we don't know if it's the best beer we i was we quite
0: excited tried it yeah Anyway, we'll have to drink that on a later episode. Yeah.
1: Oh well, I'm pretty be bummed out about that. Yeah. Well, we had this nice
0: little hey, we're having a
1: Brooklyn Lager and session beer versus rare beers. Hmm. It's all very relevant. Anyway, so I'm a little. Well, first of all, we have another Brooklyn Lager.
0: Yeah. So. Luckily, I bought two Brooklyn Lagers, and we're having another one, and it's still delicious. hmm It's no cherry blossom lambic. No. Brewed by a Japanese brewer in Belgium, but what is exactly? What is? Was that one out there? I subsequently closed my tick hole as well. <laughs> I hope people get that. It uh, sounds a bit gross otherwise.
1: Oh, I'm pretty sure when I said, because you said, prepare to tick
0: off yeah, one okay. of these rare beers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. let's,
1: uh, well, let, let's move un- one from
0: that particular point as well. Yeah, let's unpack the um, the idea that... Do you think, Dave, that you... Or have you ever been clouded? You know, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're trying to find No, no, something. I can see the forest. Okay. I think,
1: like... I think people that take it seriously and drink a lot of good beer probably evolve through cycles of this Mm. through the whole way through the whole way and right now as probably my beer recommendations over the last few episodes have probably reflected that I'm loving the session sort of beers at Mm. the moment and I'm like clenching my fist at the moment because that's how much I'm just that's in my wheelhouse currently he's
0: Orating like a dictator.
1: I yeah, I oh am. Yeah, yeah, there's like gesticulations and um, a lot of out. like aggressive eye contact as well. Yeah. Um But no, I'm at the stage currently where I'm looking at the forest rather than the individual trees because that's what's working for me at the moment.
0: And I think I'm pr- almost the opposite right now. Um, I'm. Yeah, <laughs> your bank account does not appreciate your. I, I have that. been cancelling a lot of orders, <laughs> so I've been. Basically, there's a few online stores that I go to to find some things that you can't necessarily get here and then loading up, you know, three or $400 worth of beers and then slowly just emptying my cart, reali- thinking that I just don't need to spend that much money on yeah. beer. Um, but in saying that, I guess I, I do get a little bit antsy. I get the, the fear of missing out on beer, the faux moob. If I see a rare beer online or, or in a shop and I think, oh, man, I really need to get that. And your current thing with, um, you know, Brooklyn Lager is one that I guess you brought back to my attention recently yep. and said, have a drink of this. And I went, oh, yeah, this is really good. And I've since bought it a couple of times. Yeah, and very really good. really enjoyed but
1: it. But, like, man, just the crisp, well-made Pilsners, Lagers, that's mm. really working for me at the moment. I mm. really enjoyed the Mornington check. Pilsner, which I think wasn't even like a planned brew. They did. I think AG was telling us that just they had, they had the space in the schedule, so they just decided to brew it. Um, so that was fun. Mm. Uh, I think the last was it the last one I had. The crisp was that the one that I enjoyed. Yeah, six point crisp. I think oh, it was, was your last. Was that the last recommendation? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that was just the one I had to have mm. that night that we went to Forgotten Worlds, and lo and behold, they had it, and then bit of American Dream from
0: Mikula uh, another just <laughs> delicious uh, blue beer I would like to come back to Mikula in a second yeah okay. um, oh yeah he'll definitely feature but but it's that sort of like pint culture mm. that I think see conversely at the moment the other the other week I bought a bottle maybe two bottles of the um, three Fontanines Golden Blend the Lambic Brewery out of Belgium, Canberra. I pick, can't remember where I picked up the first the first couple of bottles, but so the Golden Blend is, um, I guess, probably their most expensive blend. It's an older version of their lambics blended into a cur. And I had one bottle and was just amazed, just completely amazed, and I had to seek out more. i since found a few places online in Australia that that have it. I'm probably not going to give them away just yet because even though I've ordered yeah, you half a dozen, really bottles, quite satisfied.
1: You haven't scratched the itch. Just, yeah, yeah. I've,
0: I've got half a dozen bottles um, at home, and I kind of want more. And that moment where I just the, the appreciated the depth and the interesting characters of that beer—that um, you know, ran from blue cheese to powdery apple. It was um, just just stunning. There
1: were two distinct emails that we shared maybe two weeks ago where at the end of a day we were talking about the fact that we were spending too much money on beer and you said yeah I just had to cancel the order of beers there and then the next morning first email was yeah I totally just bought all those beers that I said I was (laughs) going to cancel (laughs) I I did cancel some other ones this week
0: Um, but and I I've also kind of the thing with three fontanines especially at the moment they're not as rare or sought after as the I guess the closest, um, the closest thing, which is Canteon, which is the, the pinnacle of that style. And it's a style that I love. I've, I've loved it ever since I first tried one. And I have almost been... I deleted a tweet last night because I tweeted a whole bunch of the beers that I'd bought and then thought, I don't want people chasing them yet. Yeah, you're <laughs>
1: going to be acting like a person who has been to Belgium... Champions the sours, know what you're talking about. Advertising awesome beers that won't be around for long. So yeah, yeah. I don't so know if the th- Yeah, if so you want to try and hoard them and keep your precious. So yeah, the,
0: the thing with with Canty as everyone knows. They're, you know, three years ago they would sit on the shelves. Yeah, um, we, we were definitely getting more as well. There was I think the Lou Peps were coming in, um, which are their kind of you know one-off um, special blends, and the the Vigneron um was coming in not regularly, but you could get it now. I don't think we're going to get any um I saw a few online retailers in Belgium It went within a couple of hours. We haven't seen it for a couple of years in in Australia, so we're going to start seeing less of those, particularly now that America, as I said in the previous segment, they're loving their sours and their wild wild yeasts so once that market you know starts demanding more our our small market's going to suffer. Yeah, exactly right. So, I'm... You know, 3 Fontaine is a pretty good alternative. So, if people can can get in now, I'd say start buying up. I'm already starting to buy up. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And that's if you love the style and you want to keep them. Um, you know. And reasonably priced. They're 13 bucks for a you know, bottle of Gers. Not a big bottle, it? but it's it's pretty yeah. good. And that, I guess, brings me to Macalla, where... They're almost you know a lot of their beers are rare, um but we were talking about the other day the other day, and i don't remember the last time I actually bought one in a bottle, yep, can you remember that
1: no, it would have been years ago
0: Hmm. And why why uh, no, well
1: no well, the thing is uh I think i bought a Nexus Ranger, oh, mm-hmm. but that's a smaller bottle, and it's a lot more reasonably priced, mm-hmm. but um. No, the bottles of Mikula. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of work and resources that get put into it, but for someone like me that likes to buy a lot of individual bottles of beer when I go shopping, mm. that sort of prices itself out of my market range.
0: I think the thing with me and them is they have so many beers. Yep. So while there might be a one off barrel aged version of something that they do, I don't know the original version because you have to drink so many beers to mm-hmm. even get that baseline level something like 3 Fontanay I know the baseline it's their standard beer and they have a couple of variations and blends but with Macallan, it's like I have no baseline there and so you look at the wall of Macallan, you know at, at a bottle store these days at a, a good bottle store and I just get a little bit overwhelmed I think
1: yeah that's right I mean uh, also like I don't really like I, I think it's a thing that's happened to me fairly recently maybe in the last year or so but i don't i'm not interested in the really high abv beers anymore they yeah do, like they need to be exceptional for me to want to drink them so a like they do a lot of yeah exactly so because that's sort of i'm not really interested in that anymore so um then that might be like just go hand in hand with the fact that i'm really really loving the lower abv session beers are mm. a little bit interesting um because, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I talked to you last... Like, last night, I opened a To All um, Fuck Art This Is Advertising, I think, is the yep. 11.3% one. Um, I hated it. Why did you hate I it? Hate it. It was so sweet. Like, really, really sweet. And, I mean, at 11.3%, you can understand that. Mm. Um, but, I don't know. Like, I, I, I reckon most people love... Brewdog's Tokyo I hate that for the same reason Mm. and the same thing with the Dark Tokyo Horizon Mm. I know people probably listening to this are just cringing going who is this guy why does he (laughs) hate these beers that I love but I just can't handle it it's too sweet there's too much diabetes
0: I I think Brewdog are another one where I I genuinely enjoy some of their base range we've discussed Mm -hmm. I guess that on the the podcast already but yeah they come out with endless variations and I just look at it and go I don't know what is this and I'm you, you're paying I'm paying you know $12 for a small bottle up to 20 bucks for a bigger one did BrewDog do bigger ones they don't do they McKellar mm-hmm. do um, but it's kind of like I don't know um, why am I going to pay this I don't know what I'm getting and you look around to other stuff and you're like well this is better value for money yeah exactly and I think it's coming into my Reasoning, uh, I know we just said I just spent a lot of money on (laughs) uh, other beers that that probably cost a bit more. But
1: no, but when you have that, I'm going to get a certain selection of beers mm. rather than I need that particular beer, yeah, that you're prepared to spend the money on the stuff that you know and you really, really want to sit on, enjoy. Um, but when you're just getting like a selection, the price will definitely come into it,
0: yeah. And now when I'm getting a six pack or a four pack, I'm looking at it going, I know that beer well what's my enjoyment of it going to be versus 20 bucks versus 24 bucks for one that I don't know well. Um.
1: Or what day was it? Whatever day it was. We were sitting in slow beer and talking about a couple of different beers, maybe having this exact conversation. And I said, do you remember how much we loved the Mornington Russian Imperial Stout? Mm. Well, that's like $7.50 a bottle (laughs) and that's really, like really readily available now. Yeah. So like, that stands up yeah and that's really well priced because obviously, because of the
0: locality of it but yeah um, and you turn around and look at the I guess the European side of a bottle store particularly in slow beer where it has sort of they're facing each mm-hmm. other and you think well value for money and, and quality this is a lot better but then it comes down to that you don't know until you try the one that's yep. on the other side exactly um, but yeah back to something like Macalla or I'll, I'll throw a red duck from Victoria into yep. this conversation because I've I've stopped buying their beers.
1: Uh, mm. Yeah. So I've sort of unwittingly have as well. I mm. think I went through a stage where I had a few really good ones that I loved. So like I sort of endeavoured to buy as many as I could get from mm. them. Because also you put them in three thirty ml bottles. Yeah. If you do want to try a few, that's a really accessible way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I sort of had a pretty good hit rate with it, but there's just so many <laughs> that come out. It's just really hard to keep up with. Yeah. And you d- And also, I don't understand why you started putting stuff in 500ml bottles. Don't understand that.
0: See, I, I don't even notice. Because um, yeah. it's nothing against Red Duck. I've, I've yeah, really yeah. enjoyed a lot of their beers. But it's just so hard to keep track that I've, I stopped keeping track. And uh, I think Macallor is the same. Um, Brutal's probably the same. Tual, maybe a little bit. Yeah, they're
1: one that I haven't explored a great deal.
0: Evil Twin, um, obviously McCullough's brother. Sorry, Chip, for mentioning it. I know he hates it being mentioned. For those that don't know, I'm referencing an article in the New York Times recently. I'll link it. Um, But yeah, they're the same. There's one beer, then there's the barrel-aged version, and there's the barrel-aged version with fruit, and then Mm -hmm. there's the other one, and the other one. It's like, I don't know anymore.
1: It's sort of the sort of model that I think would be like outrageously successful as a for a local audience mm. like for, for like a brew pub or something like that where their local audience knows the basis yeah. and then they can bring out these ridiculous versions of it but mm. you really need to have that point of reference it. or from I need to have the point of reference at least mm.
0: what's the most you've ever spent on a beer
1: um, I think back in the day I spent 65 bucks on the Beelzebub's Jewels and I wouldn't spend that on that beer
0: again. Mm. I spent the same on that. Yeah. The day before I tried it, I tried the Yeasty Boys Red Rackham, which is their beer where they put the wrong yeast in and didn't realise and then realised and released it under a different name. And it was great. The Red Rackham cost me $7.50 <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah, oh, and did you
1: equate those t- two beers?
0: I think they were very similar. Really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. A day apart, I thought... Because. They, they were both pretty red. They both had a bit of a funky yeast, like a, I'd say a Belgian yeast. Oh, yeah, but This I was think three years ago, by the way, so if someone's going, hmm, that's not what they had at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but
1: and I think we called an episode something to do with factual inaccuracies. So, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, But also I think the Beelzebub's chills is about 12% yeah. alcohol. Though, so I don't well, think Red Beckham was up there, wasn't it? I, it was eight so. or I would have thought seven or eight, but that's that's definitely something. That anyway, that's neither here nor there. But um but that's an interesting thought. But also I'm s- sort of like I don't know, I'm amazed that they still charged that because that was like one of the first big like 10 plus percent beers in Victoria at least mm. that was put in that was packaged and it probably had that that sort of like exclusivity about it where it could demand that price at the time but sort of kept that sort of price point it also
0: had the the nicer packaging uh, yeah that's right the they've big, scaled the big it bottles. back
1: and put it in the 500ml bottles Yeah, now, but like and uh, I think pound for pound it's probably a similar price
0: yeah the I mean the other obviously one obvious one is the clout stout from Nail yep. which
1: I uh, think I bought it for a similar sort of price
0: about 70 bucks yeah. I think um, I've never thought to buy it because I've never actually been told it's that good I've never been told it's bad or anything. But t-
1: t- have you tried it since then? I've never tried it at oh, all. Cool.
0: Um just because it's like, well, I know that I can get say a yeah, Mornington exactly. for for seven bucks. That's 50, exactly right. Or I know I can get a um you know, one of the big American okay. yep. stouts that are you know, there's AleSmith um Speedway stout sitting on that the that shelves.
1: 50-odd bucks or so like that yeah,
0: that's you a know? top ten, you know, and then the Rate Bear um, you know, top ten list yes. that's you can get an iced ice out in. for
1: fifteen bucks or whatever. And yeah.
0: And and I should say rate beerless, so no, not they're not the beer all, all and end all, mm-hmm. but there's a you know a decent indicator that yeah, if I can get a an internationally recognised one for twenty bucks cheaper for the same size. Yep. It's it's a pretty tough
1: but ask. The beers are what are worth what people are prepared to pay for them. Definitely. And I'm pretty sure Clout Stout sells out quickly all the time.
0: Uh yeah, I just saw a bottle on the shelf. At when i was there i don't know what vintage uh, i don't keep track of it because of the price and i just think yep you know whatever um well, I've,
1: I've had it before and i was kind of kind of blown away by it but i wasn't five times as blown away with that than i was with one that costs five times less so
0: yeah yeah and is is that how it works though do you think well it's no <laughs> <laughs> um i Really wanted to try a beer the other day, and I saw it online at a bottle shop in Australia. And the price was eighty dollars. They have a. I, don't, I only wanted that beer from them. I didn't want to buy anything else that yep. they had. They have a fifteen dollar flat rate, so it was ninety five dollars. Yep. And I just went. That's a commitment. Yeah. And this is a serious beer. This is um, you know one of the one of the beers that I really really want to try. And I just thought, no, no, ninety five bucks. I don't think that's a big outlay of cash yeah I don't think I'm going to get $95 worth of enjoyment out of it that and that place does charge 10 or 20 bucks more for those kind of beers and it's like well you've probably just lost a sale there because you've just yeah pri- if it was 75
1: you probably would have
0: taken that particular jump wouldn't you hmm um, interesting yeah anything else you want to add about um, craving rare beer. Well, I think yeah, I think there's a little bit of that in all
1: people like us in the maybe not just the geekery, but everyone who's like pretty serious about drinking good beers. I think that that little nag of wanting to try unique beers and interesting beers. I think that's ever present Do in everyone. Don't you think?
0: Do you think it traps people when they're starting out? Because... No, I
1: just put them down a different path for a while. Are you less... Because I think th- I was down that path straight away.
0: Yeah, and I think I was yeah. too. Um, high ABV. Yep. Big brand name, and Macalow. Yeah, awesome or some crazy ingredients. Yep, yeah, crazy ingredient, And then price, you think, ah, oh, I want to try that. Yep. Um, as opposed to... I, I, I guess it's, it's how you learn. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, I mean,
1: that was one of the first... Oh... Maybe no, that's not quite true. One of the first beers that I bought that was in, you know, like, a bigger than a five like 300 mill bottle mm. was the Dark Island Reserve from the Orkney Islands Brewery. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it blew me away. It was 50 yep. bucks. And it was, again, it was one of those ones where I heard about this beer that was $50, and I heard about the story about how, what is it used in the process, and I was like, I kind of want to see what that tastes like. And, um... Yeah, I mean, it was blown away uh, initially, and then I've had it again since, and I was just as impressed the second time.
0: I had it recently, and I didn't
1: first. didn't like it. You didn't like it. Oh, you had a pretty young one though, didn't you? No, I had a
0: I had one that I kept for a couple of years. Oh, and really? I, went, huh. I think I might have maybe it' kept it too long. It didn't have the same memory that I had. But also, like but, I mean, well,
1: you're also preloaded with like a lot of. You had a bi- It was a big pump up that I've given it before. Yeah, I mean, I'd had
0: it. Couple of years ago, I no. loved it, and then had it again, and found it probably too sweet, maybe. Oh, because um, the thing
1: about that uh, that I really loved was it had like this big savoury element to it. Yeah, that yeah. That I really enjoyed
0: yeah. it. I can't remember what year the bottle was. I, don't I wonder I, if it
1: was different, like a, a different recipe. You think? Mm. That, I don't know. Yeah. I'd held I'd
0: held onto it for a couple of years, yeah. so maybe it, I just held on to it too long, and, and then you know the the malt just went a little bit crazy. Um, I come back to the the most I've ever paid for a, mm-hmm. an individual beer is probably the same for yep. the Alzebub's jewels. And, yeah, I'd struggle to spend more than that. Um, I loaded up... I almost spent, yeah, said three three or $400 on beers from online. Mm-hmm. But that only equated to $33 a bottle for some pretty... Pretty sensational sort Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of if you're willing to, to spend the outlay, you can get a really good, a reasonable deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say a really good deal. No one's getting bargains here, but... Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that the last couple of weeks, I've really enjoyed the the Brooklyn Lager, I've really enjoyed, um, I still really enjoy Mount Goat Hightail every chance I get, but I've also...
1: Yeah, you had a pretty good reaction when I gave you a sip of the crisp at Forgotten Worlds as well, yeah. you enjoyed that, yeah. Mm. That's sort of where I'm at at the moment.
0: Mm. 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 It's a real shame we couldn't drink that Lambic on...
1: Yeah, yeah, it sort of would have tied in rather nicely to this whole discussion. Good narrative.
0: All right, well, anything more you want to add? No, let's have a guitar solo. Welcome back. Everyone,
1: I hope everyone enjoyed that guitar solo. Yep,
0: Uh, thanks to Tohido for our theme music again.
1: How generous is that? Yeah, we just play it every week or every couple of weeks.
0: Mm. Awesome. Mm. Recommendations come to to that time of the show, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, have you got anything loaded up?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, What are we starting with? What do we normally start with? Beer or non beer? Beer. Beer? All right, well, this is one that is pretty much unanimously enjoyed. Uh, which is a good way to recommend it um, I had it at Gab's last year mm. and I liked it and people lost their minds over it and that confused me because I just didn't have the same reaction to it yeah. and this is the two birds taco mm. and I got it when people were losing it over it I said I want to understand because people whose opinions I normally share they were just losing their minds over this beer and I said "Like, give me like, what are the elements you're
0: really enjoying
1: and they told me all the elements that I was tasting but I just wasn't reacting in the same way
0: they did So it's not the kind of beer you lose your mind over is it? uh, oh well I'll get to that Um, I'll stay out of this yeah so (laughs) uh, on the last
1: session I just wasn't getting samples anymore so I decided I'd go and get a full glass of that and have the full experience with the taco and it was the same experience that I had with the taster and, which was good I really enjoyed it but like I don't know people you and Gabs people you would have seen on social media mm. it exploded that beer yep. um, so I was excited when I heard that they were going to be bringing that out as a seasonal because uh, it seemed like a good one to have at the end of summer mm. pretty appropriate I am th- in my zone of the lower ABV sort of Easy drinkers, so I was pretty excited. So, got three bottles of it when it came out, and they were in bigger bottles, they were in 500ml bottles. Yep. Um, and the package version, I finally had that moment. It blew my mind. Great. Every element that I tasted in the Gabs version was there, but more prevalent. If, I'm, everyone knows about taco, doesn't it? Don't they? Well, I don't know. It's pretty much brewed with uh, corn maize, coriander, lime zest. And jalapenos? No, no I think is it's there. Not a chili? So. No, it's not chili? No, involved? no chili no. involved. Okay, anyway, but I think there's much rumor of a chili version. Right. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it blew my mind. It was unbelievable, and I finally had that delayed <laughs> experience that everybody else shared during gabs. But I like, I couldn't even articulate how much I enjoyed it, and I had my last bottle last night. I probably enjoyed that one more than any of them. So. That one, I'm really, really um, imploring everyone to try if they haven't, uh, and also, having the one last night that I enjoyed the most. I just shot uh, Jane a tweet and said, "Is there any viability in making this regularly?" And she sort of like coyly hinted that I think it is going to make a more regular appearance, which pleases me because that is a really, really enjoyable one.
0: It's an interesting one because it's not, it's not on your face it's not loaded with hops it's not got a crazy yeast it's basically a really straightforward beer with a bit of a unique flavor Mm -hmm. and i agree with you there is that i've kind of you know put it out on social media Ah, this is amazing i really like this and then before it came out again i'm like it's as good as i remember it to be because it's not anything hugely different Mm -hmm. and yeah i think it holds up i think did you get some bottles uh, we, it, me and Emma shared a bottle the other week. What did you think of it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it's great, uh, and it does hold up to to the. I don't know hype. if it
1: changed anything. It's part of the brew, but didn't man, s- didn't
0: seem as cloudy. That's probably what I remember. Over I don't recall home.
1: it being cloudy on yeah. the day, but ah, oh, man, I just love it. I would love to get more. Hopefully, there's more rounds.
0: And it, ta- it tastes like a taco. It's, it yeah, it does. Yeah, um, <laughs> anyway, it, it's the kind of beer, the kind of the beer that I think people that are chasing big flavours and big yeast and big hops are probably going to be a little bit underwhelmed by but it's a really good beer and I, I agree with you
1: yeah so that's I'm all about that one what
0: um, have you got? So my one is a brewery that we're going to see more of in the, the next well oh, sorry the next few months I think because they've changed distributor we used to see bits and pieces of them um, it's Durank from Belgium uh, they do an XX Bitter which is a Belgian style IPA uh, so Belgian yeast, big floral hops, uh, really nice bitterness there. And they do a really good creek and a really good, um, they call it Grand Cru, which is their cuvee. I don't know, it's a gus, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, really good. But we they also
1: do, like, just their regular Saison Saison, yeah, really good like bang on style Um, and the Saison Noir that's a real real excellent Mm. I really enjoyed that one so it's exciting to see them coming in more
0: everything they do I I really enjoy Um, we had some of the XX on tap recently and yeah um, Emma went straight back for another glass of it Uh, which is always a good sign and yeah so so get on board with those guys Uh, really excited to see yeah it's fun Uh, my non-beer recommendation is a little bit of hip hop Um, I really like 90s era hip-hop, like Wu-Tang I don't really like modern hip-hop that much, there's a lot of terrible stuff out there Hip-hop and rap I should say Um, But I came across an album that, I don't follow it as much as I used to, so I'm not up with the latest thing Anyway, I came came across an album released in 2013 featuring Inspector Deck from the Wu-Tang Clan, for those familiar and Seven Owl and Esoteric. They recorded an album last year under the term Zarface, so C-Z-A-R-face. Uh, I get it, because it's like Scarface, but right? it's not. Yep, yep. Yeah, double uh, kind of a pun tying this episode together. Um, it's a real throwback album to your, your mid-90s hip-hop. It's not too backpackery. What does that mean? Oh. Backpacker hip-hop is kind of nerd hip-hop. Uh, not not nerder, but people.
1: I'm like I'm not in the Venn diagram of hip hop. Yeah, okay, so, so p- I these these terms I don't like. I don't understand. That. So
0: uh, you're a super complex indie rap. Um, so people that ride skateboards wearing backpacks, kind of nerd nerding ner- out they do about that they? Well, they're into this. Right, so so right. you kind of white middle class kids that are skateboarding or whatever that probably like the Wu-Tang and then they got into your atmosphere and your um, immortal technique and, and this kind of... They call it backpacker rap because okay. it's, you know, that kind of person. And so this isn't too backpackery. It's just really good straight-up hip-hop. There's some really good um, DJing in there. And one of the tracks, I really enjoyed some of the the cuts, technical term, and just some really good 90s-era sounding hip-hop. They've got some new... Um, you know some modern guys in there, um, action Bronson's in there for those familiar. So yeah, really, really good, cool. solid hip hop album. And Dave, I know you're not familiar with hip hop. You're probably not not sure if you're a fan, but do you, you know, know
1: when like I watch ESPN Sports Center, hmm. and when they're talking about baseball stats, I feel like I'm like I'm a sports fan, so I can like figure out most of stat like talking stats about a lot of things not baseball mm-hmm. so i've got no idea what they're talking about when i'm hearing baseball stats and that's a little bit what i just felt like then yeah, yeah okay cool yeah all right it was enjoyable though sure <laughs> more than i enjoyed baseball
0: yeah baseball sorry listeners that i know that love baseball but
1: it's my opinion yeah deal Actually, with I mean, it i don't care if you like it go for it it's fine get your own podcast yeah <laughs> um my non-beer recommendation... We're going to take-two here because we had some slight technical difficulties. So um, Luke's not going to be impressed by this because he's already heard it already. Uh, <laughs> my non be recommendation is a bar that we went to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, New Amsterdam. We I mentioned, it mentioned it earlier in the yep. show. Yeah, it's uh, quickly... I mean, over the smallest after-work session, it's become one of my favourite bars that I'll recommend hmm. to people in Melbourne. Um, just because it just gets all the elements right. There's a... Probably, what is it, about 10 taps they had? Or 10 yep, or 12? Think, yeah. With like three pretty hardcore sort of taps. And while we were there, they had the Kaiju Metamorphosis IPA, which is really nice, the um, Feral Bariko Karma and the Little Creatures Single Batch Rule of Threes. I couldn't think of what it was called the first time I said this, so now I look like I'm <laughs> all over it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they were, they were ones you suggested we go there because they were three beers that you individually wanted to try and they're all in one spot. Yeah, it's a cool new place.
0: And it's uh, central on the CBD. It does. It's the kind of place that I wouldn't normally go to in a city cocktaily kind of bar. But the first time we went there for dinner, um, when a friend was in town, uh, it felt like the really welcoming. The staff are really nice. Yeah. Um, really good bottled beer list. Really good as we mentioned earlier, wine list, spirits list, cocktails. They play good tunes there. It's
1: warm in either wherever you're if you're upstairs in the restaurant or downstairs in the bar. Yep. It's just it's
0: welcoming. The the first time I I got there, um, I was waiting for the others to arrive, and I was the only person in the bar. Got my beer, and the barman instantly struck up a conversation with me. Beautiful, which hardly ever happens these days. Yeah, and it's it's someone that I used to work behind a bar, spend a lot of time in bars. It's probably one of my, the most important things is you walk into a bar and you know you get a you're sitting at the bar and you get a bit of a bit of banter yeah exactly um so they get the basics so right there yeah um and the food was was really good so i think
1: it'll be it, it'll be the first it'll be my first choice and first suggestion when anybody i know wants to have after work drinks that mm. works in yeah. the cbd yeah yeah
0: and it's the kind of place you can take someone from out of town and sort of you know it's the current sort of melbourne on trend but also done really well and not Gimmicky. it's
1: not just trend yeah exactly yeah. it's just everything's really good so that's my non-beer recommendation even though there's a bit of beer involved there but <laughs> if you're in melbourne if you're not in melbourne you're coming across a good beer week check it out don't know if it's going to be participating in any events i don't think they've got any events. no but
0: just go there because it's great cool all right um find us on twitter yes you can mm, get me at melba dave and i'm at ale of a time now we have an interview that we recorded which one are we looking at today? Uh, Sean from... Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Kill Sprocket. Mm-hmm. Chatting about... This is a good one. Yeah, yeah so uh, this is recorded again with the other interviews we've done. Is that the last one? Yeah. Okay. Um, at the Good Beer Week Showcase um, over a month ago now. And, yeah, so thanks, Sean from Kill Sprocket. Sean's a good dude. Have a yep. listen. Cool. Cheers, everyone. Bye. All right, we're here with Sean from Kill Sprocket. Uh, Sean, we understand you've got a good beer week event involving comedy. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. I, uh, I've got Killer Sprocket Comedy. So it's at Agent 284 in Smith Street, which is 284 Smith Street. Uh, and we, uh, it's like 30 bucks. You get a free Killer Sprocket. It'll probably be Amber Ale, but if I brew another beer that's interesting by then, it'll be that one. Or I might just give you both, I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got some great comedians coming on, uh, we'll be announcing the comics sort of as we're getting closer to the event but it's uh, the Friday the 23rd, I believe, at 8 o'clock.
0: Great, and uh, you've recently put out your second beer, Bandit uh, which was a fairly uh, confronting beer I think for a lot of people <laughs> being a, a I, I described it as a, was a pineapple beard, a hospital beard while being smashed in the face by a pineapple um what was sort of the motivation about bringing something like that to market after, after an Amber Ale? Uh,
2: well, the way I brew beer is I go to a bottle shop and I try to find a beer that I want. And if I can't find it, I brew it myself. And then if my friends like it, I'll brew it for Killer Sprocket. So that's what it was. I was drinking like Rex Revenge. And I thought, that's a good beer. And then uh, I was sitting at home one day drinking Lafroy. And I was like, oh, this would be good as a beer. So I just started putting it all together uh, after the Ambra, the Ambra is a really quite a sessionable beer. It's, uh, it's not very hoppy, it's not very confronting beer. It's sort of one of those kind of, you know, everyone likes it, which is good. It's a good introductory beer. Uh, and I just want to do something different, so I thought, all right, let's alienate everybody and do a, a peated pale ale. That's what we like
0: to hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, uh, have you had any reception or feedback about it, positive or negative?
2: Both. I've had some people that absolutely love it. It's, I've had a lot of uh, bar owners say it's a really polarising beer. They get 50% of people going, this is the worst thing I've ever had. And then they have 50% of the people going, I love this beer, I want more of it. Uh, I was listening to um, the, the, um, the Brews News podcast and they were talking to the guys from Yeasty Boys. And they're saying with Rex, they actually, it's the only beer they've got hate mail for. So I should have known better when I made it a pitted beer. But it's, it, it still is crazy how some people really hate it. I had someone at uh, Bendigo, uh, say, oh no, the Geelong Festival, say that it was motor oil and tip it out in front of me, which I thought was whatever. You brew a beer that generates hate mail. You're doing something very, very right. Yeah. I exactly. i still got their token, so I don't care. <laughs> how does it feel watching that happen in front of you? Is it? I got their tokens. I don't. It's, it's, their, it's their choice. They can drink it or pour it out. It's their decision. I, to be fair, they said they said, "Oh, we like Carlton Draft. Give us something that will surprise us." So that's what I did.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs>
2: yeah. Sounds like they were surprised.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: anything uh, exciting coming up uh, from Killer Sprocket as well? We should be keeping an eye out for, or just more of the same great beers.
2: Uh, yeah, we're working on a rye IPA at the moment, uh, which is going to be very hoppy. Uh, when I've, I've done a few test batches of it and came out of the kettle green, so quite a lot of hops.
0: So a little bit hoppy then, you're saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. well, I've got a tank at uh, Cavalier, at the Cavalier Brewery, and uh, a lot of people know that that's where Kaiju, Monster Mash now Kaiju brews, and... They put the most amount of hops I've ever seen in any beer. That guy is, he's clogged up the machinery in there. It's unbelievable. So I'm trying to beat him. I I won't because he puts so much hops. He almost, like, he was dry hopping his beer the other day. I was helping him out and beer, like, the reaction was so violent. Beer was foaming out of the the kip arm and and just dumping all over the floor. It was actually spinning the, the clean in place ball in his tank. That's how much gas is getting released from him just dry hopping the beer. So, I don't think I'm ever going to beat that, but I want to make a very hoppy beer this time.
0: I really like Rye IPA. I think, Dave, you're a fan of the style?
2: Absolutely, can't wait for it. Yeah. It's going to be a bit, it's going to be like killer smokes. It's going to be malty, but I want to put a real good whack of hops because that's something that I haven't done yet. You know, what I mean, the amber Ale's not very hoppy. The smoked beer, I tried making hoppy, but it when you try to do something with Peter malt, and hops, you get a real you get a lot of bitterness, the smoke comes across and bitter on your tongue, if you try to up the hops you get a very undrinkable beer which I found out the hard way uh, so this will be a very hoppy beer for the Rye IPA I
0: think it's really exciting um, and I, from what I've tasted your two beers, I really enjoy them um, you know, so many golden ales and pale ales on the market at the moment it's great seeing someone come to market with two, two things that are really different so uh, yeah, keep it up
2: yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's When I was launching, When I was, launching, I, I was thinking I am going to launch with an amber ale. And I had so many people going, oh, just do a pale ale. I said, why? You go to a bottle shop, there's 50 pale ales. You go with an amber ale, they've got maybe one or two. And if you do it different enough, which I've done, I think, you know, you're going to get, and that's how I found my market. So I always want to kind of go on the outskirts. Like with the IPA, that's why I wanted to go to IPA Because it's a beer you don't find in every store. Like people like it, I like it, but they're not available all the time. So that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for your time.